we've doubled down on content moderation, which is right. basically trying to screen out negative content, content related to hate, violence, right. in any kind. Private equity giant and ByteDance board member Bill Ford at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. You got TikTok on your phone still? I assume. <laughs> it's still there. The CEO and chairman of General Atlantic is talking TikTok, tech, and China. I think we've seen the bottom in terms of economic performance in China, and it should improve this year. Plus, how he pushed his firm's assets under management from $78 billion to $100 billion in a single energy acquisition. While the demand for EVs might wax and wane, the demand for power is growing. And what's driving that demand for power? Data centers, for example. I mean, data centers today use about 60 gigawatts of power to fuel them. With AI, it's going to be 10 times that number in the next decade. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Squawk Pod reports from Davos, General Atlantic's Bill Ford begins right now. Another big Davos interview. In between the meetings, the panels, the dinners of the famous World Economic Forum in Switzerland, some of the biggest leaders in attendance, business giants like our next guest, stop by the Squawk Box set to sit with our anchors, Joe, Becky, and Andrew. It's always fun. I did the code this year. I said, you I'm know doing what? the code. This is Bill Ford, chairman and CEO of private equity firm General Atlantic. Over the last 40 years or so, General Atlantic has deployed $60 billion into over 500 private companies, many of which have gone on to be household names. Uber, Airbnb, Tory Burch, Ant Financial, Chime, Vox Media. He's a big deal. Unsurprisingly, he's on a few big deal boards. BlackRock, Sierra Space, and important for this interview, He's also on the board of TikTok's parent, ByteDance. Bill Ford's firm may become an even bigger deal. In December, General Atlantic reportedly filed confidentially for an IPO. The morning of this interview you're about to hear, General Atlantic announced it's making an acquisition, its biggest purchase to date, and it pushes the firm's total assets under management up to $100 billion. Ford's got the pulse of the deal-making market, the IPO market, and of course, the global tech and consumer businesses. Bill Ford sat down with CNBC Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin to discuss it all. Here's Andrew. Following reports uh, last month, the private equity uh, group uh, General Atlantic confidentially filing for an IPO. The firm now making a big acquisition move with a new acquisition today just announced. It's buying infrastructure fund manager Actis, which has a big presence in sustainable infrastructure. Joining us uh, right now here on CNBC, William Ford, General Atlantic CEO. Good morning to you. Great. Good morning. Andrew. So Thank this this me. is uh, apparently part of a trend. Uh, we were just talking to Larry Fink back in New York on Friday, uh, getting in on the Infrastructure Act. What what led to this? What's the thought process behind this deal? Well, we've known uh, Actis for many years. They're a terrific firm focused on sustainable infrastructure. And we've concluded for a while that the next big uh, investment opportunity is going to be energy transition. And they've distinguished themselves by focusing on developing sustainable infrastructure like power, like um, uh, uh, solar and wind in the emerging markets. And, uh, and that's what really attracted us to them. So one of the things we've been talking a lot about in terms of sustainable infrastructure is both the need for it, but, and maybe it's a, a chicken and egg situation. But, you know, we, we've seen these reports even last week about EVs in the United States, just the, the pickup, the take up by consumers, not nearly as fast as people think. 
Some people say that's a function of the fact that the infrastructure doesn't exist. Others say that there just really isn't a demand for this product and that it's being pushed on them. Well, I think what's going on behind the scenes is, is, is much more significant. Last year, the, the, the volume of renewable capacity put online grew by 50% to 510 gigawatts globally. So it is a growth market and continues to grow significantly, both in developed markets right. and emerging markets. So I think while the, the demand for EVs might wax and wane, the demand for power is growing. How much of that is a function of governments continuing to spend on that investment? Because most of that is government generated. And we've talked to a lot of people here who say they're watching the November 2024 U.S. elections very closely for what it's going to mean, not only for markets, but other countries, too. I think, Becky, that's been a tailwind. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the fundamental demand, take emerging markets, Asia, Africa, Latin America. The demand for power grows at 2x GDP. These countries are growing rapidly. They need more power. It's either going to be renewables or it's going to be traditional carbon-based energy. And the hope for the world is that it's renewables. And so I think the demand is there. And what's needed is, you know, a trillion dollars of capital flowing in to put this capacity. Money is going to flow downhill to coal. You know that. Uh, we've, we've had 20 years of investments in, in what you're talking about, and you haven't moved the needle. It's, it's like 83.4 fossil fuels. It used to be 83.5 makeup of, of the world. So you're, you're looking for some type of, of inflection point when things change, because it hasn't changed yet. I, I think, Joe, it's a, it's a fair point, but I think this is a disruption. I think this transition is going to pick up momentum over the next you decade. You don't see India and China. They're, they're building a coal plant every day. They are, but actually the biggest, biggest increase in solar capacity in the world was China last year. Of that 510 gigawatts, it's on the margin, though, Bill, still, it's still, it's, it's still marginal. Look, it, you know, we're not going to be uh, transitioning from carbon-based energy in the next, next five years. It's is part of your, your investment thesis that, that you're going to continue to see the government I'm not saying, uh, you know, they're investing in, in dollars that the private sector. Well, I am saying that they're going to invest in things that that wouldn't happen in a free market system. And so you're going to take advantage of that. In, in this case, Joe, it's not subsidy driven. It really is about fundamental demand. Well, we know there's demand, but it's just not not necessarily demand for expensive solar and wind. It's demand for, for, for power, right. for power. Yeah. And, that, and that's going to grow. T take data centers, for example. I mean, data centers today use about 60 billion gig, uh, 60 gigawatts of power to fuel them. It, it, with AI, it's going to be 10 times that number in the next decade. Yeah. Where's that going to come from? So, yeah, some will come from traditional carbon-based energy, but a lot of these data centers are being powered by green energy. Right. And that's what we want to, we want to get behind. Um, I want to pivot the conversation to both your firm, but also want to talk China first, if we could. Uh, you're a big investor uh, in ByteDance, owner of TikTok, controversial. You're a board member. Uh, Xi'an as well, a retailer that's uh, been taking off. Lots of questions about that, that firm as well. Have you got a chance to spend any time with the premier of China who's, who's here yet? I, have, I, I know you spoke this morning. I've not seen him yet. Okay. Uh, what is your sense, though, of the relationship between the U.S. and China, given what's just happened uh, with the, the, the election in Taiwan? Uh, and how does it relate to your role? And how do you feel about being a board member on ByteDance these days, given that you, your company is oftentimes being described as a national security threat? Well, I think China, China had a difficult um, post-COVID environment. It, you know, a lot of us sitting here a year ago thought China was going to have a very strong economic growth and have their own post-COVID rebound. That didn't happen. It was a challenging year and problems you know, in the property market and municipal finance came, came, to the, came to the fore. But I think, th I think the government is getting a lot more focused on driving economic growth in China mm -hmm. and improving things. So I think we've seen the bottom in terms of economic performance in China, and it right. should improve this year. What, so, about, what about the whole ByteDance piece of it? Well, ByteDance is a terrific company. It continues to perform well. Um, it, it is, uh, it is a, a global internet company with 2 billion users worldwide, right. uh, half in China, half outside of China. 
Uh, it's a company that aspires to go public at some point in time. Right. When, when the time is right, we'll, 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 we'll execute well, that. Well, so let me ask you two different questions. One is we saw uh, the rise of anti-Semitism on TikTok this fall. You sort of you, you saw that. I don't know how, how is it, again, as a board member, you feel, feel about that. I'm also curious how you feel about the fact that in China, TikTok is really limited, or the, the version of TikTok in China is, very, is, is uniquely limited, in large part because of what they think it may do to kids and other things in terms of what that looks like versus the version that is exported, if you will, to the rest of the world. Well, let me just clarify a couple of things. First of all, all the content that exists inside of China has always been separated from the content right. of TikTok. They've, it's never been merged together. The user bases have been separate. The content bases have always been separate. The data has been protected separately. So that's, it's never been a case that they've been merged together. And what we have done in, 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 in response to your first question is we've doubled down on content moderation, which is right. basically trying to screen out negative content, content related to hate, violence, right. in, in any kind. And, you know, we, 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 we've always been deeply committed to that when we doubled down right. over the last year. Now, the reason I asked you, um, uh, Alex Karp, who we're going to have on tomorrow from Palantir, he's literally made the argument that he believes that ByteDance and the TikTok itself is an export to literally control the minds of uh, kids in the United States, not, not, to, not because of propaganda, uh, but just basically to make us dumber, frankly, and because we're all addicted to it and spending all this time on it. And, and he says, look how they do it in the United States and look how they're doing it in China. What does that say about what's really happening here? I, I don't agree. I mean, the right. content is user generated. It's, it's moderated to screen out the bad stuff. And, it, and it's, it's generally as much educational and entertainment oriented as it is, you know, mindless, as you might say. You, so if we're making everybody dumber, it's our own fault for the garbage we're putting I into think, it? I think there's a lot of great content on TikTok, too. There's a lot of wonderful do you, uh, content. Do you limit your kids on it? Uh, I screen do. time? Uh, I do. Well, my kids are older. so I, they're, Do you limit your own screen? I find it addictive myself. I, uh, I literally have a screen time, uh, you know, timeout thing on it for myself. And then I, of course, blow through it. I get stuck in 100 emails that I got to return. So I, I don't even know as much time as I'd like to you have on Diane first, Dion yeah. Furstenberg's Twitter account. You, yeah. you, you get cut off, right? You've been on there for like Too much. Uh, let me ask you, uh, you filed confidentially uh, for an IPO. Yeah. What does that say about what you want to do with the firm? But what does it also say about where you think this IPO market is going to be this, uh, this year? Well, I think that's a more interesting question about you know, where is the IPO market? It, it's been a tough two years for IPOs, as you guys have reported a number of times. But I'm, I'm pretty constructive on it now. If you look what's going on, the volatility is at a reasonable level. Equity market performance has been good, particularly starting in the fourth quarter. Uh, interest rate increases appear to be off the table. That was a real, a real headwind to the IPO market. I think that's all improving right now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the IPO market, up, IPO market open up even in Q2 and have a much more active you know, 2024. There's a lot of companies that are ready to go public that are high quality, mm -hmm. high growth. Uh, there's also a lot of you know, private equity portfolios that companies- Does that, that require the Fed to lower interest rates? Not really. I don't think so. I think what it needs is you need uh, reasonable levels of volatility, which we have right now, and you need positive equity market performance. With those two factors and $7 trillion sitting on the sidelines, I think you could have a very active IPO market. Bill Ford, thank you for coming in this morning. Great. Appreciate thank you. Great to see you. Thank you, thank you so, so much. Well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this special Squawk Pod Reports from Davos. Squawk Box is hosted wherever in the world they are by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Squawk Pod is produced by me, Cameron Costa, Katie Kramer, and Caroline Rahotis. John Lazration is our editor. Have a great day.